So to start off, I wanted to ask about your guys' opinions on the first chapter. Because in the first chapter, it kind of starts off the scene with like a bloody landscape and like a scene where everybody's being shot at and just like a mad rush to escape. So what did you guys think about that? I feel like it started off the book with sort of a rude awakening, just like you obviously start off and it's this brutal scene, but then in in a few other chapters it's super peaceful and happy, but then this, this first chapter is sort of like this way of getting your attention. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's sort of to draw your attention and to really show how like things can be so bad like that but they can be like good for everyone only days before that and it shows how it can change so rapidly yeah i agree I um i was really surprised and it caught my you can keep going my bad no you can go okay uh, i was just gonna say that i think it also just um gives you like an idea or what's going to happen later on in the story and how things can change very fast from one day to another yeah it's like a very strong type of foreshadowing i guess yeah and also i think that this opening scene was really just like, as someone said, like, an awakening to, like, how serious this book is. Like, it's not that lighthearted and, like, in, I guess, quote-unquote, like, fun to read. It's, like, about a more serious topic and, like, trying to bring awareness to something. Yeah, and in the first chapter, it obviously didn't give all of the details. Like, they didn't say why they were being attacked because those people that were attacking them practiced the same religion as the people that they were attacking. And so it seems really confusing at first, and obviously that's clarified later on, but it is something that uh, is present. Yeah, and it also sets like an ominous tone for the rest of the book that like um, it sets up. So. The next topic that I wanted to discuss was, you know how um, she goes on to state in like chapter two or three, somewhere around there, that like her family really valued education and they were proud of her for being one of the better students within her school. So any thoughts on that? It's sort of breaks away from the usual, oh, people in Africa are poor and they're uneducated, and it sort of breaks the stereotype that African people are often subjected to. And in the early parts of the book, I think, it said that girls, they weren't really expected or supposed to go to school for more than a certain point of years. And it showed how the, the family really valued education and how it was a very important thing to them because it was really their future that they were getting prepared for. So it showed how they didn't want to fall into like that 
like stereotype, I guess, of not going to school after a certain point. I think yeah. also... Oh, you oh. can go. <laughs> Sorry. I think also they were talking from personal experience. I think, like, their dad saw, like, you know, they said that when he... He really valued that their mom was an educated woman. So I think, like, when he looks at his daughters and his sons, that he wants them to, you know, also grow up with that, kind of like their mom did. And himself, too. Yeah, and obviously in the, I believe it was the, yeah, the second chapter, um, they talked about how instead of being appalled by her mother's education, he was actually very intrigued by it, and so he obviously, in chapter three, they explain how the father is always away because he has to work and he wants to provide for his family and he wants them to be able to go to school and have a better life than a lot of other people did. Yeah, and I have a quote for that in chapter four. Um, it was important to my dad that both the girls and boys get a good education, which is very forward-thinking of him in a community where the traditional role for girls was to marry and produce children. And that just kind of builds upon what Doton, I think, said, where, like, within her community, it's typical for the girls to just get married off at a young age and not really try to develop their education. Yeah, and I believe it said also in Chapter 4 that the, the father wanted them to go to school so that they wouldn't, you know, lose the thought that they are worth something, because often girls would be kidnapped, raped, and married off, um, and they were, and this was often done to prevent them from wanting to go back to their family because they would either be embarrassed or the family wouldn't want them back because they were raped. Yeah, for sure. And then their dad also, um, he also made sure that their sons never believed that they were worth more than any woman ever is worth. So he also, like, made sure that, like you said, that the girls knew that they're worth more than anything. And he also made sure that their sons knew that everybody, you know, is equal and they should never look at a woman as less. Yeah, and also, like, building upon that, too, um, I think... Yeah, uh, the main character talks about how Proclamation Day was like a pretty special day for her since she, since she was always like within a certain number from the top, like the best students. She got to ride home with her dad in his truck. What do you guys think about like the importance of that? I think that like on the day where she didn't place, I think top three, and she placed, I think it was eighth. And how she broke down crying and she didn't feel like she was worthy to ride in the car. I think it shows how, like, them valuing their education really rubbed off on them because they really cared what they did in school and how they did. And, like, they wanted their parents to be proud of them. And I think it shows how they really valued education, like I said before. And not only does it does it point out that they value education but obviously uh like you said 
um, they want to impress their parents or be praised by their parents, and so it's sort of this familial tie that everyone there has. Yeah, and then on a more darker note, um, the next topic was I wanted to talk about how um, within Sandra's school that she had to walk miles to get to, how the kids there would keep on calling her Rwanda, Rwanda I don't want to butcher the name, but Rwanda and try to separate her from the other kids who were Congolese. So what did you guys think about that? I thought like, so obviously in the US, we see a lot of discrimination against people of color and many other different minorities. And it just goes to show that Africa isn't subject to this. They are still discriminated against for where they come from. And sometimes it's for no reason. Like these kids are just repeating what their parents have said. Like it, like uh, Sandra had stated multiple times over that they had, they were just repeating what they heard at home. And I think that also relates to um, both bullying and discrimination here in the U.S. as well. Yeah, and just like the way they would make fun of her nose for being too skinny, like kept on calling her R Rwandan, and just like that, it's just like, why? <laughs> like, as humans, like, why can't we just all teach each other, like, just respect yeah, it, each other? It sort of goes to like our last podcast on the science behind why people hate, because they're really taking like the smallest pettiest differences that really have no meaning or anything like to look at but they take those differences and they hate you for it and they judge you for it and they'll like discriminate you because of your small differences yeah and I have a quote for that it's I didn't understand why the Congolese kids were mean to us I wanted to say to them don't you have parents who teach you respect? When I complained to my parents, they said not to take the jabs from the other kids to heart. They always help me keep perspective. I think that quote there shows how not every family like val had the same values and taught their kids like respect other people. And it shows how that that family there was more I sort of mature to like specific topics. I think that quote too really just shows how um, her parents, I think that her parents are like really great people and have a really big influence on her. So that quote just kind of shows that, you know, no matter the situation that her parents went through, you know, that her mom was married at, what was it, the age of 14 and her dad at 18, no matter, you know, what they went through, they made sure that their, their kids had respect and morals. Oh, yeah, and I think that also correlates to how their house was always open to homeless people, strangers, especially on the holidays, but 
they would house people all the time and it shows that their hospitality isn't just limited to inside their family ties. Yeah, and just like this whole chapter where it's talking about this, it really showcases um, the moral values and like what their family perspective is. And I feel like that was a really good juxtaposition to what they're facing right now, like being discriminated against because just how much like their values and what other people are saying just clash with each other. So, um, Giovanna, I don't think you've talked much, I may be wrong, but do you have any input on this? Um, so far I just agree with everything you guys are saying. I think you guys are, um, just hitting all the points, um, that are to be made about this, so yeah. And someone said earlier something about how, like, they were really inviting and they let everyone come into their house for food and for, like, comfort, I guess. It shows how the parents were, like, trying to set an example for their kids to be accepting to everyone and to always be open to everyone's ideas and differences and to really just be accepting to everyone. And I think that leads into uh, Sandra's confusion when they're when she's bullied and her people are attacked, and it sort of just makes it seem even more surreal that something bad is happening to them when she feels like she's done nothing wrong. Yeah, and on that same note, um. This is just like elaborating about the discrimination, but there were two instances that in the book that I thought were really like, they kind of uh, show just how far this went. And it's based, the first instance was when they were in their truck and trying to drive away and escape. But Congolese people were like begging on their truck, trying to steal stuff, trying to hit them. And they even punched Deborah, like a grown man punched Deborah in the face. Even as like, even though she's six years old, and then the second instance was when, when they were in the refugee camp, the first refugee camp, and they were called to take the national exams. How Congolese workers tampered with the food that they were eating, so that um, Sandra's sister, Princess, got food poisoning. Yeah, and it really just shows because like, obviously. This family really valued education, and I'm guessing so did a lot of their people. And so, by bringing them to these exams and poisoning them, it's really disheartening for them because it's like they have this very negative tone to education now, and I feel like it's just really, really messed up how. Um, Oh, these people just decide that it's okay to literally poison children. I think these instances also kind of prove or show uh, her innocence, if I could say, kind of, because, like, you know, she's so 
just like with the bullying of the other kids, she doesn't really understand that, you know, people could be really cruel to anyone. So I think these these are very harsh events that took place, but I think they really show and prove that, you know, that she's still a child, you know, no matter the events that she's going to go through or she goes through along the story, she still is a kid and her innocence really shows through. Yeah, and I want to go back to the exams when uh, when they tampered with the food. It really shows how, like, they knew that some people really valued their education. So they were sort of, like, taking advantage of that because, hey, you guys are going to show up here and you're going to be hungry. So we're going to tamper with the food so you guys, like, suffer. Yeah, and I feel like that was just so inhumane to do that because like these are little kids and you're exploiting the fact that they want to be educated and using that to hurt them i just feel like that was just not it yeah and it also says on page 73 even the school kids were targets i never got the results of my exam so even though uh sandra had no appetite and she decided not to eat she still didn't get the um the results of her exams which obviously is something that she's been very used to where she gets her results and she's very proud of herself but now it feels like they've just been totally betrayed by the people that were supposed to be hospitable to them Yeah, and I have a quote for the other example I used where a grown man literally punches Deborah in the face. And it was, amid the chaos, a grown man, he appeared to be in his 40s, marched up to the van looking like he wanted to kill us. He reached in through the window and punched Deborah in the face. Completely shocked and in pain, she began wailing. I couldn't fathom it. Why would a man punch a six-year-old child in the face? I cried hysterically too, and Princess tried to calm us down. I wondered what Deborah was thinking. She was probably wondering, why aren't my mom and dad protecting me? My parents were helpless. And obviously throughout these kids' lives, they rarely have a chance where it's like, oh, we're not going to make it through this. Like, their parents have always had faith that something is going to come out of it and that everything's going to be okay but in this moment it's sort of like we said earlier it, in chapter one it was a rude awakening awakening for us but in chapter seven it was a rude awakening for them where they realized it's not just taunts and teasing from school it's actual people wanting to kill them even though they have done nothing wrong Yeah, and also like saying about um, how you were saying in the quote that it shows their their parents' vulnerability. You know, throughout, like once they get to the camp and stuff, they can see the kids rely on their parents. She says as many times that she really looks up to her parents to see like if things are going to be okay and that she sees that her parents are just as vulnerable as anyone else. So she's afraid just by looking at the face of her parents in the situation in the car and in the camp. Right, so I think now would be a good time to move on to another topic. So, Ellie? 
Um, the next topic I was going to talk about was how everyone knew the sounds of war since they were little, and I wanted to also talk about Heritage, who was basically kidnapped and forced to do horrible, horrible things to other people since a young age. So what were you guys' opinions on him and, like, just the war? I personally was, like, disgusted by how people could just go up to any child on the street and just take them away or even go into people's homes and they were given no choice in the matter and let me see I believe it was in uh yeah chapter five uh near the end uh the military got kids hooked on weed and alcohol and that just goes to show that these people were willing to do anything to have good soldiers or people that would fight, even though it was against their own will. Yeah, and in that same chapter, chapter 5, like, the peacekeepers who are, the United Nations peacekeepers, like, are supposed to make them feel safe and, like, help them. But, like, even then, I quote, um, there were United Nations peacekeepers in our region, but they did not really make me feel safe. They flirted inappropriately with my older sister's friends. One of the peacekeepers became romantically involved with one of Adele's friends. He would take the girl out drinking and take her back to the UN compound. And that just goes to show that they don't, they not only take advantage of the boys by making them soldiers, but they also take advantage of the girls and they do this when they're very, very young, like literally babies almost. Um, and so it's just, it completely destroys people's childhood and once they're of no use anymore, um, like how Heritage was found, they beat them and leave them for dead. Yeah, I agree with what you just said there. It shows how they're gonna use you for whatever they need and then once they have no use for you anymore you you can't like do what they need you to do they're gonna throw you like away like garbage and just leave you for dead i, I completely agree uh, so, so oh um yeah um i just wanted to point something out real quick real quick um zane and giovanna um i've noticed that you two haven't really been talking much and we have around seven minutes left so um if you could start doing input unmuting your mic even if it's not even direct quotes from the text um you do need to be participating yeah i was just gonna build upon um with that um heritage in the army um so like as a young kid if you give them a gun and you're gonna force them to shoot someone that's gonna be very traumatic for them it's obviously like something that's not natural for them and um that's gonna probably give them mental illnesses in the future such as like ptsd and um that's just not right yeah and obviously you don't learn about that in your history class you don't learn that obviously you learn about slavery but you don't learn that there was slavery within their own country and within the people that were going to protect them by forcing them to work for the military Also, I feel like just, like, this whole thing is, like, 
ties into the concept of dehumanization, which I don't really get, because how do you look at a child and then want them to kill somebody? Like, I just don't understand the thought process behind that. I had that same thought as well. Like, every time I saw some instance where a child was being manipulated, I had to, like, step back from the book for a minute, because... Because this is real life. This is an actual um, real-life account of what happened to the author. And so it's something that needs to be addressed. And obviously, they're talking about it in this book, but not everyone's going to be reading it. And so this kind of knowledge definitely is definitely an eye-opener. Yeah, and I think it shows how people, they will use whoever or whatever for their personal use no matter how wrong it is. Yeah, and um, if you guys don't mind, I really wanted to talk about something before we ended our podcast, which I think was a huge part of this book, but um, I wanted to talk about the death of Deborah and her significance. Did you guys have any opinions on this? So, obviously, around, yeah, so in uh, chapter 9 and chapter 10, they started going more in-depth about what happened during the attack and also what happened after later in chapters 11 and 12, or no, 11, sorry, Um, and in chapter 10, it says that 116, she later found out that 116 were injured and 166 were killed. So with the amount of people that were there, and obviously this was an entire African tribe, um, so that many people killed and that many injured, and based off of um, what happened to um, Sandra's family, where there was a literal, like, fragment of a bullet in her brother Alex's eye, um, based on those entries, you can only assume that they were going to be way worse for those people, and it's, in, in short terms, very, very messed up. I think this really also, the death of Deborah really had an effect on the author, because, you know, and she, the author always talks about how she would admire her older siblings and she wanted to be like Princess and Adele and her, you know, the older siblings that she wanted to dance in that one parade that they do to, you know, get the kids to do something that they choreograph and stuff. So I think when she sees, you know, that her younger sister, the sister that looked up to her, I think she almost, she even says that she feels guilt. Because she, she died in that jersey, the the Brazilian jersey, I believe it was, yeah. for soccer. And I think it just shows that, or she says that, you know, she carries the guilt because, you know, she fell as the older sister, you know, probably to protect her younger sister, especially since she knew that she looked up to her. Yeah, I think it also so shows how... I think she called them rebels, but how the how the rebels they were so ruthless and they didn't care how old you were or who were who who you were who you were. 
um, they were going to try to seriously harm you, and if not, like, harm you, then kill you. And then, like, she talks about how she wouldn't be able to grow up with her sister, which is a really sad thing, because a lot of people, they get to grow up with their siblings, see how they like, mature, they get to become closer with them as they grow older, and it's, uh, like, that was seriously cut short, because she only lived to the age six. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead, Giovanna. Oh, I was going to say how I thought it was really messed up, how they were telling them that they were going to help them, and then they ended up killing them. And during the whole, like, while I was reading that, I had a bad feeling um, as well. And then when they said, like, shoot them, and then um, she saw her mom get shot, and she was just, like, running away, I thought that was really sad, and I don't think anybody should have to experience that. And especially when they went back, like, when the whole family got back together, and they went back and found Deborah's skull, um, and the mom picked it up and she was like holding it. I also think nobody should ever have to go through that. Like, it just shows how um, they were dehumanizing them and they didn't care about them. They even burned them after they shot them. So yeah, that was just those just my thoughts while I was reading it. Yeah, and on a more personal note, um, obviously, at this time. Uh, Sandra is 10 years old and Deborah was 6 years old and obviously that's a lot to go through especially at such a young age but then I thought about well what would have happened if that was me and my sister what if my younger sister had died because my sister and I have a 5 year difference and like I literally had to step back from the book because I was having like a mental breakdown thinking, thinking about, about that. that yeah I was doing the same thing I was comparing myself like what if I was in that situation I had to go through that I would not have been as strong as they were like she was even holding back from crying because she was saying how other people lost more than she did so yeah I, I was doing the same thing as well but yeah so there has been some really great conversation today uh, we have just reached 30 minutes um, thank you guys for giving such great conversation. Ellie, thank you for the great prompts. And, uh, I, is there anything else that anyone wants to go over? I think that we covered everything that we should have covered today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, you guys have a great day, and I will see you on Thursday.